0: This episode is brought to you by the Bowers & Wilkins PX7S2 wireless headphones. Hear what your music really sounds like. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Darko Audio podcast. That time of the month has rolled around again, I think a little bit early this time, Michael. Yeah, I
1: think so. But it's topical, timed topically.
0: Yes, because we're going to talk about uh, a hi-fi show that you went to recently called Expona. Yeah. Before we do that, I should let everybody know that we're going to be talking about the dreaded MQA later in this episode. (laughs) <laughs> and be- before that even i just want to fire through some some news items because a lot of new products have been announced i think many of them on the back of the Exponer show in chicago so for example mm. q acoustics the uk loudspeaker company announced something called the 5000 series of loudspeakers which i think is like a a mid-range loudspeaker so they have mm. the sort of 500 models and they have like the many thousand dollar models and i think this 5000 series is well i know it is it's basically two different floor standards two different stand mounts and a center channel speaker so it's aimed at home theater people as well and i'm pretty sure that this will be popular because q acoustic speakers in the main sound absolutely excellent and so the cheapest 5000 series loudspeaker is the 5010 stand mount and that sells Hmm. for 749 us dollars a pair so it's not that much further beyond the the more affordable range that they sell and then the the biggest floor stander they haven't announced the pricing on that but the 5040 floor stander is going to be 1500 US dollars a pair so very reasonable i think yeah. there is some some special tech in the drivers that they've developed for this new series but i'm not going to go into that here because hmm. i want hmm. to sort of move on because i want to blast through some news items pretty quickly we also had a new speaker announced by mofi Electronics, or whether they're just called MoFi now. And that's mm. the Source Point 8, designed by Andrew Jones, which is a smaller version of the Source Point 10. It is, as the, the name suggests, a point source speaker. So, where the tweeter sits in the middle of the surrounding mid bass driver. In this particular case, it's eight inches across. And that mid bass driver also acts as a bit of a waveguide for the tweeter. It's a mid-century modern-looking cabinet. I think it's very popular. One thing I like about this speaker, actually, Michael, and I know you've seen it at Expona in the flesh, yes, yes. Is, is the unusually shaped front baffle, which I believe was designed to keep the sound from wrapping around and getting to the edge of the cabinet and then sort of diffracting off the edge of the
1: cabinet. Mm-hmm. It's like faceted. Would that, is that how you would describe it? I don't know. It's just, it's just It's kind of got these facets
0: Weird. <laughs> what? i don't even know do i know what a facet is i mean i, I always think a facet is an element of something you know like a hmm. what what's a facet in that in terms of
1: in terms of industrial design a particular aspect or a feature of something <laughs> <laughs> Right. no okay. i was thinking it's the ro- it's clearly the wrong word so oh a small plane surface yeah i mean yes okay maybe, yeah yeah
0: Sorry, we're talking over each other, but it's a multifaceted surface. But what you're talking about Mm. is there are different surfaces uh, with different angles applied to them so that the sound, I guess, yeah, doesn't reach the edge and doesn't diffract off unfavorably and ruin the off-axis response of the loudspeaker. Mm. But I think the Source Point 8 is going to be more popular than the Source Point 10, not only because it's more affordable, but because it's smaller. And I think it's easier to put it on a stand. I think it fits on a normal... Uh ish speaker stand am i right
1: yeah for sure it's 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 um very much in line with other stand mount speakers in terms of its size the 10 is very large for a stand yes you know more in lines with like harbeth or something you know that kind of big beefy stand mount size okay
0: right okay and then uh well i guess big news for canadians this week is that Cobas has finally Mm. flipped the switch in that particular country so you can now stream cobas in canadia somebody actually wrote to me the last time i said canada in a video and said it's not pronounced canada it's pronounced canada i'm like oh okay so my dad jokes are clearly missing because um, <laughs> or, or they're not landing properly because, i don't know i just thought it was a bit of a silly thing to say but clearly it was too too throwaway um there is a new product from i called the go or the go pod i've seen it referred to basically it's a clip on Bluetooth receiver DAC amp that you yeah attach to your favorite earphones. So it's kind of turns your wired earphones into a Bluetooth earphone and then it loops around the ear and then the little mm. Bluetooth amp mm. DAC receiver dangles off the back of your ear. Now I'm not a big okay. fan of that design personally. Personally speaking, mm. I wouldn't use this product, but I know that many people do or would because they have wired earphones that they really, really love and want to turn them into wireless models. Mm-hmm. So, iFi of have, have, you know are now offering that, and I think they're doing collaborations with a, a bunch of different well-known wired manufacturers.
1: Yeah, it's a three ninety nine US, right? Okay, but uh, I think it's well, fair to I- iFi
0: to point out that the the little receivers themselves, in totality, only weigh twelve grams each. So they're not super heavy, but I don't know. To me, they just look a little bit like earrings for earphone people. <laughs> but they do support a whole range of codecs. They do support LDAC, they do Aptex low latency, regular Aptex, AAC, obviously SBC because that's part of the Bluetooth spec. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think, I think it's interesting that they're, they're sort of doing combo mm-hmm. deals with 64 Audio, Meze Audio, West Stone, mm-hmm. and a company I've not heard of before, Symphonium, uh, whose earphone the Meteor apparently is quite popular. So it's an interesting mm-hmm. product, I don't think it's for everyone, but nonetheless, yeah. I think it's it's worth worth a shout out. And then there's a new Rotel Mishi series, the Mishy series two. So it's mm. what, it's been four years since the original Mishi came out. You know the big, big, big high end black pre amplifier, power amplifiers, and also integrated from Rotel. I don't think the new story here is all that substantial. Basically, it's a version two. I think they've upgraded the DACs inside the preamp and the The integrated the press release does talk about several hundreds worth of component upgrades but i think generally what they've done is they've refined the internals and the design and the performance so it's probably a little bit better than the original the preamp is called the p5 is five and a half thousand euros and then you've got uh the x3 which i think is the power amp which is seven thousand euros and then you've got the x5 integrated which is nine thousand euros but it, I mean, mm. I've heard great things about these amplifiers.
1: Yeah, I like the look of them as well. I mean, I've seen them in person, and uh, I, I, I'm I'm very tempted. Yeah, to jump into one of the integrateds. I mean, six hundred. Yeah, the X5 is six hundred watts. I mean, that's the thing. These are big, beefy, you know, amps that double. I think they most of them double into uh, four ohms, so they'll drive most anything.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I remember when I first saw them at a hi-fi show in Hamburg, and, mm. oh no, sorry, it wasn't, it was Leipzig in 2019. And I remember just being blown away by how big they are. I mean, these are yeah, big components, yeah. right? This is not like a, a normal size component. It's wider. It's deeper. It's taller. Mm-hmm. It's everything. Uh, I like, like you, I like the look of them. Yeah. I, I've never heard them. So I've got no idea how they compare to anything else at that price point. And I think at that price point, there's a lot of competition. Absolutely. I don't know about you, but I have a very strong attachment to the Rotel brand.
1: Yeah, not so not so much, but I mean, these products, I do, I am I am intrigued by them. And just, a, you know, just I'm looking at specs. I mean, the X5 Series 2 integrated weighs 96 pounds. <laughs> so mm-hmm. this is, a, it's beastly. I mean, I am reminded of the Cambridge Edge products and just in that terms, a sleek, rounded look. And I yes. was very impressed with the Edge A integrated.
0: Yeah. Those yeah. things are very I mean, I've got the power amp and the preamp back in Berlin and they're fantastically well made. Ah, that's a good yeah, that's a good yes. analogy actually, because they are that kind of physically imposing devices, mm-hmm. probably even more so than the Cambridge. And mm. probably a little bit more expensive than the Cambridge as well. But I, I don't know, you know, whether they're more capable, or less capable. Yeah. I don't no really idea. idea. And then Focal have replaced their Cora series of more affordable loudspeakers with something called the Fever series. So we've got, Mm. I think we might even have up to three different floor standers. There's one stand mount, there is one center speaker, and there's an in-wall as well. So, I mean, this is well, I guess this is another sort of mid-rangey type speaker to compete with the Q Acoustics offering so the cheapest is the bookshelf the number one the fever number one that's a thousand us dollars a mm. pair and then it goes all the way up to well there's a fever number three d which has a built-in height module that's obviously for atmos and that's three grand a pair mm. but if you want the number three without the d it's 2400 us dollars a pair so they look quite interesting as well i i, th- I mentioned this because You know, with the Q Acoustics and with the Focal, it means that the sort of mid-range speaker segment or the mid-tier speaker segment around the world is is kind of fleshing out nicely. So there are plenty of choices. It doesn't mean you either have to buy something really cheap or something really crazy expensive. There's stuff in the middle to buy as well. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, on the news front, we have a new DAC from Daniel Weiss in Switzerland. It's called the DAC204. And I believe this was, I think... This is its first public outing at Expona, courtesy of U.S. distributor Bluebird Music. Mm -hmm. I don't think Weiss announced or introduced new DAX very often, do they?
1: No, they don't. And this... um I got. I saw this. I didn't get to hear mm. it. It was part of a small. It was set up as almost like a desktop. Part of a desktop system, which was not playing when I was in the Bluebird suite. So mm-hmm. Bluebird had two. You know, a suite with two rooms, and they had the larger system playing in the other room. But it is tiny. This deck. Right. Um, U.S. price is twenty eight ninety five, mm-hmm. and I I love the look of it. I am ready. I put my hand up as soon as I saw. Uh, photos and even more so when I saw it in person uh, for review. It's got toggle switches. This yeah, they look is, cool. Yes, they do yeah, look cool. And it comes its it's comes from one of their pro products. It's kind of a descendant okay. of, and it was really to you know offer to be able to offer a white stack at this lower price point. Yeah, you're not going to get DSP in here like you get with the hundred one and all these other uh, fun features. But I'm very, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, at that price, and uh, you know, he makes—he uh, certainly knows what he's doing. Let's—I would put mm. it that way, Daniel. Weiss, yeah,
0: I think. I mean, I know I've rushed through those news items, Michael, because I know normally we kind of dissect them a little bit more closely. But the reason I haven't is because there's been so many of them, sort of announced new products announced on the back of Expona, and I wanted to get your thoughts on Expona itself, the show. And essentially, yeah. I didn't want to sort of crowd out anything you wanted to talk
1: about that wasn't necessarily new, but might have been a standout. Sure. Well, yeah, I, I would start by saying uh, this was my third Expona, I believe, mm-hmm. and so I, I attended pre-COVID, and this was mm. by far the, at least some my way of seeing it, the best attended sh- Expona yet. Mm. It was from Friday opening on Friday. It was just packed. Um, And they, Expona organizes on Thursday evening an industry event. They call it a mixer, but yeah, it's, you know, cocktails Mm -hmm. and hors d'oeuvres. And I've never seen it so crowded. It's barely, you could barely move around that room. So, I mean, number one, it was very well attended, even on Sunday morning. Uh, Which is usually slow. I mean, it certainly slowed in the afternoon, but that's always the case on a Sunday. Um, I mean, it was to the point where I had to return to some rooms because I could not get in the door. There were lines outside of rooms, Mm. Um, they were so crowded. So, anyway, attendance was great. There were, yeah, there were a lot, a lot of new products introduced at Exponent. I mean, it's the, you know, it is. I think probably by now, by a wide margin, the largest show in North America, a con- yes, you know, consumer yeah. show. Yeah. So uh, you know, brand, um, brands, manufacturers, and distributors and dealers are really stepping up and have you know looking for a present sat Expo if they've never had one, or even a larger presence if they can get one. Mm. So, like, yeah, Fidelity Import, for example, had six, five rooms. I don't know. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's That's a lot of rooms for a distributor. Yeah, it is, it is. yeah. They've got a lot of lines. They're really uh, kind of newer on the scene and fairly aggressive, picking up lines. Mm. But anyway, yeah, so Inuis, I'm sure you saw that. Inuis released this new line, the Pulsar line of streamers. So,
0: yeah, that's an, a new range of... Streamers from Inuis, I think they first teased them in Munich last year. But I think ah, okay. the, the the top flight one, I think it's actually called the Pulsar, is the That's one crazy, that they announced yeah. that officially ready for Expona, making its worldwide debut at Expona, right? Yes.
1: Yes. Right. The Pulsar Network music player, and it's got a USB reclocker. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get into nitty-gritty details of any of this stuff because there's a lot to talk about. Well, I'll put links, as usual, in the show notes to these things. Yeah, and that's US $6,899.
0: Right. This is a network streamer without any storage. There's no server component to this. So it's just a device that plays catch on a stream that comes from elsewhere and then sends it out over USB into your DAC of choice.
1: Yeah, I believe this was in part a a product that a lot of um, US customers were asking for. Essentially, you know, doing without obviously doing without internal storage can help lower price points. So there, yeah, there are three models in this line: the Pulse Mini, which is twelve forty nine US, yeah. and the Pulse at uh, three thousand two hundred forty nine. So. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll just hit a few new products. If please do, you know. Yeah. So Mola Mola announced a new standalone amplifier, mm. amplifier called the Perka, mm. and that's nine thousand eight hundred fifty. It's in the same case as the uh, Tambaki DAC. Okay, but same is it a power case,
0: amplifier? Yeah. It is. Yes. Is it based upon the amplifier modules
1: found in the Cooler? Yes, I believe it is. Yeah. You know, it's smaller, obviously. It, it, again, it's in this exact same chassis as the Tembaki DAC, which I am a fan of that look, that wave top. And mm-hmm. it's just very unique. Um, So, and they're, you know, these are small components, half size roughly. Um, mm. I think it's a wise move. I, I, I th- it's for some reason, I am very much attracted to components that are less than 19 inches across. I don't know. I right. think it's just for a change of pace, you know.
0: As you know, I'm a big fan of anything that will fit inside a Kallax unit's kind of cubicle hole. So a normal yes. width hi fi component will not do that. But many new components are, you know, not as wide and they, they do fit in there quite nicely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this next component, Prima Luna announced a new all tube Evo 100 phono stage. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, three thousand six hundred ninety-five. Um, also, can fit in a Calax unit. And uh, if for anyone unfamiliar with uh, Pre Maluna, I would say they off they offer it's uh, mostly tube-based electronics, amps, preamps, integrated amps. Um, and for the build quality and overall quality, they are. On the reasonably priced side and i feel very comfortable saying that because they're in the thousands of dollars and having mm. just come from Expona where there are phono stages for fifty thousand, or preamps for 80 or amps for 150 you know a six thousand dollar integrated amp um, it looks like a bargain in that context so is it a bit like munich where there's a lot of very very
0: super expensive gear
1: Sure. The bigger the room, the more expensive the gear, right? It kind of makes sense.
0: Okay. I mean, if you're yeah, spending,
1: guess- yeah, if you're spending just room costs, and I don't know the costs of rooms at Expo, so I'm just using basically fake numbers. But I mean, if you're spending upwards of ten, fifteen thousand dollars all in just to be at a show, not counting travel costs and shipping costs, blah blah blah. I, I you know, I don't really. Th- know if it makes a lot of sense if your products are in the hundreds of dollars to make that kind of outlay so you know you i'm Mm. sure you would you'd want to spend less smaller rooms so yeah some of these ballrooms in exponent are enormous enormous bigger than the barn you know 50 by 80 feet i mean they're huge so they have these enormous systems and yeah they do tend to be very expensive so yeah with um Yeah, with exponent it's ballrooms as opposed to uh munich's the upper floors upper floor rooms that tend to house all the stuff yeah
0: yeah i mean i guess wherever you go at a hi-fi show there's there's always going to be crazy expensive stuff and everybody has a different idea this is a radical thought everybody has a different idea of what they consider to be crazy expensive because for some people it might be a thousand euros for other people it might be fifty thousand euros but it mm-hmm. is determined by one's relationship to money and how one chooses to spend one's disposable income, right? There isn't the kind of a set number that says, well, this is crazy expensive. Like, there's no sort of agreed yes. thresholds that you have to cross to be in the, I don't
1: know, the summit-fi tier. <laughs> right. The well, you know? right, because hi-fi is like everything else. I mean, just imagine if you were talking to somebody and they, you know you said, oh, uh, I'm spending, you know, three thousand a month in rent to live in New York City. They're like, oh, it's crazy. Mm. I pay one hundred and fifty because I live in Sheboygan. It's like, right, <laughs> but uh, it's not the same. And people know this with most things in life, but f- for some reason, they get all bent out of reason when it comes to hi-fi. You know, I I spoke to some attendees at the show. And mm. one uh person I was speaking to said, Yeah, you know, I'm looking for a DAC. I'm not looking to spend a ton of money. So somewhere in the neighborhood of five to eight thousand. And that's mm. exactly how he said it. And for that per yeah, I didn't go, whoa, oh, are you crazy? You know, I mean for yeah. him that those that that's a sensible thing to say because it for his budget, let's just call it it you know, that's what he's thinking. Um, Hmm. And I, of course, I know plenty of people who think that spending anything more than, you know, $800 on a whole stereo is crazy. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. It it comes down uh, to your own perspective and your own income. Yeah, absolutely. And the last product I would mention is from Unison Research. It is called the Simply 845 Integrated Amplifier. And it is Mm -hmm. a dollar shy of Um, Mm $10,000. I mentioned this because two things. I am interested, and I'm actually going to review this amplifier, uh, because I'm a really big fan of other amps I have heard and reviewed that use the 845 as a... As an output tube, the 845 is a single ended triode, but it's much puts out much more power than a 300B or a 2A3. I mean, then even in single ended mode, just a pair, I believe you'll get uh, 15 watts from an mm-hmm. 845, 20 pushing it. Um, so, as opposed to a 2A3, where you get just a handful, two or three watts, 300B, you might get eight. So, um, you still get the single ended, whatever, the single ended, the benefits of running a single ended triode amp, but with more juice.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. That sounds interesting as well. It's not something that really sort of necessarily floats my boat, but I know that would be of interest to other people.
1: Yeah, and it'll heat your apartment. <laughs> that's for sure yeah
0: that's the thing tube amps and heat and the summer i don't know man <laughs> i don't know yeah but again it's horses for courses so i guess we're sharing these things because other people who aren't us might also be interested that's the whole point isn't it sure so shall we move on to <laughs> a subject that is sure fire to trigger some people into absolute mm. i don't know i guess you call it apoplectic apoplectic i can't even say it apoplectic spasms um i want to talk about mqa because mm. mqa the company has just gone into administration in the uk and i want to talk about some of the things i've read and yes yeah. whether well they, some of the things i've read about this have been quite surprising and i mean i do have a pr contact in the uk for mqa so i do speak to their pr about other brands as well he's not just the pr for mqa he covers other brands
1: ah, okay
0: yeah. um so i'm in regular so i can basically pick up the phone so if i have a question or want to verify something uh, it's just a phone call away it's pretty easy and i've generally done that over the or down the years because well i think it's the right thing to do especially when you're talking about a company <laughs> going into administration right because i think mm. it's very easy to get things wrong So, for example, I have seen it written that MQA is bankrupt. Now, (laughs) that isn't technically true. I know they've lost a lot of money in the last few years. They haven't turned a profit. But the thing is, MQA continues to trade. Now, I'm pretty sure that in the UK, it is illegal to trade whilst bankrupt. Ergo, MQA is not bankrupt. They've apparently appointed the the administrators because... One of the key investors wants out and wants to sell his share. And administration allows them to carve out a certain chunk of the business and then sell it Mm -hmm. so that he can cash Mm -hmm. out. Right. So that's why they've gone into administration. Or that's why they're telling us they've gone into administration, but they are they're not bankrupt, at least not yet. Now I'm not saying that is going to happen or that I've got some some kind of insider info on this. I don't at all. So Mm -hmm. I think anybody saying that MQA is bankrupt really hasn't checked their facts because exactly. double. Yeah, that's factually I, inaccurate, right? Yes. And I, this is, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I phoned my contact in the UK because I was thinking about writing an article about this, but, and I know that you did, but the reason I didn't was because everything I have to say about MQA, I wrote two years ago in mm-hmm. an article that I gave a fairly, well, I thought it was a funny headline. It was titled "Tidal forks MQA. Now, my PR contact was not happy about the headline. He he phoned me and said, come on, John, come on. I'm going, what? I, I played the innocent card. But I just thought it was funny. It was a good bit of wordplay. And I thought, actually, yeah, Tidal were sort of sidelining MQA a little bit because they were pushing it up to the, or the, their masters up to the hi-fi tier or the top tier on Tidal. So it was no longer necessarily part of the other tiers. But I also detailed in that my thoughts about MQA down the years where there was a significant turning point for me and here's a key bit of information that many people who are staunchly anti MQA they they love to gloss over this is that on my website I've covered both sides of the coin consistently mm-hmm. so and I, there's a whole paragraph dedicated to this I'm not even going to bother to read it now because that would just be futile but I know that some people out there Well, it's about 30 people on Reddit, about 20 people on a couple of different forums that just love to, they talk about MQA, I'm going to say, as if it were like child porn. They talk about it as if it (laughs) seriously, as if it were the most offensive thing known to mankind. And if you think that way, I think your perspective is way out of whack. Even if you do think it's a scam or a fraud, even to talk about it like I'm going to boycott everything that comes out of Warner music. Like what a ridiculous thing to say. I just think, you know, people tend to lose their heads about this rather quickly and unnecessarily. Like I say, even if you think that Bob Stewart and his company of are scamming people, I don't quite know how they are necessarily perpetrating this scam. I can certainly see the downside of it. And I'm not Mm -hmm. going to get outraged about it. And I think the outrage or the faux outrage or whatever kind of outrage has been out there that has been voiced by a very vocal minority has just, I've just tuned out of pretty much anything high res, not just MQA, anything high res. I was never that into it in the first place, but I just like, I don't want to be necessarily part of the conversation where you've got two sides of an argument going at each other and whereby if you don't ascribe completely to one side, you're essentially hated by both sides. Because there are yes. lots of pro-MQA people out there as well. But the interesting thing is about the pro-MQA people is I don't see them throwing their teddy bears from the pram very often. I really don't. <laughs> they don't. They just, they just kind of go, I really like the sound of it. That's the end. There are some yeah. people who are very, very pro. And one of them, actually, his name is Peter Veff He's very vocal about MQA on hmm. Facebook in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And I guess that brings me to the next point about MQA, because there was a lot of talk, but because MQA has gone into administration, but is not bankrupt. There was a lot of talk a couple of weeks ago about basically Tidal ditching MQA completely. Now. I think there was a Q&A on Reddit and I think it was meant to yes. be just a, a general sort of AMA ask me anything from yes for some guy from Tidal right and the poor guy just got hit with MQA questions nonstop even though yeah. he wanted to talk about all things Tidal he just got smashed with MQA questions and he basically said no we're not we're not turning MQA off yet we're going to continue to offer it but then another Facebook post came across Came across my desk. That sounds really self-important, doesn't it? But, but it was basically a screenshot of something that Peter Veth had shared on Facebook, hmm. and I can't work out whether this is a forum comment or a response to an email. Um, but it's from a Tidal employee. It's Tidal support, so it might be on a f- like a support forum or something like that. Oh, okay. And it basically hmm. says. Uh, We understand your concern regarding the options available to listen to your favorite music. Alongside MQA, we support other quality and immersive audio formats because we are committed to music and because Mm -hmm. we aim to enable fans to experience music the way the artist intended. I hate that phrase, but whatever. Mm. Today, more than 90% of our 110 million-plus song catalogue is available in Hi-Fi or better. Tidal's Hi-Fi Plus plan includes FLAC, MQA, Dolby Mm -hmm. Atmos, and Sony 360 Reality Audio. Mm -hmm. The uh, The last paragraph here is the zinger. Regardless of the future of MQA's organization, Tidal fans will continue to be able to listen to existing MQA music streamed or downloaded that is already available on the Tidal platform, so that mm-hmm. to me says Tidal ain't getting rid of MQA, at least not yet. It's not. There's no plans to ditch it yet. Yes, but but it also says that they're going to offer, I guess, normal high res FLAC alongside MQA, so you've got the
1: choice. Yeah, that yeah the that's the way that's my understanding. Exactly that. It was the CEO who did the A the CEO of Tidal who did the AMA. And he oh, okay, yeah, and what he said was we will be introducing high-res flak for our hi-fi plus subscribers soon. Right. So that and that's you know, that those are the I'm reading, I'm quoting. Yeah, yeah. So that's a quote. So we know this. So even I speculated what that could mean for mm. MQA, but I was I tried to be as clear as possible that I was speculating. Other people took that news and ran with it. To to mean any number of things just as the news of mqa uh going into uh, what is essentially similar to chapter 11 in the us as meaning yeah. they were already bankrupt which is not the case yes. when you file for case. bankruptcy it's protecting yourself in the event that you know you can't get anything to work on a, you know, if, if i'm making a correlation so the fact that they've entered administration that's exactly what it means, and it doesn't mean they're bankrupt, as you said. So right. the fact that they're bringing out high res FLAC suggests to me that going forward, and this may not, this is also an assumption. But going forward, I am assuming that all new high res downloads or you know album streaming that are available on title for title plus subscribers will be FLAC and not MQA. But that's an assumption. I don't even know. If that's the case, you mean new titles, right? So new additions to the catalog, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. But existing catalog, from from what I've just read out from this title support email or post, mm-hmm. it suggests to me that it will be made available as a choice. You can choose the FLAC or the
1: MQA yeah. file. Yes,
0: I want to t- touch on an argument here that often gets put forward in this kind of situation, in in that. We don't need MQA because bandwidth is plentiful and basically it's a solution looking for a problem. But the thing is, and I I never actually wrote this in my Tidal Forks MQA article, but I I should have done really. If you're Tidal, MQA is extremely advantageous to you because you only have to store one file and that file is CD quality in size. And then Mm -hmm. the the end user's streamer and then maybe the DAC as well can do the unfolding. Mm -hmm. But the advantage of having to just store one file is that your storage costs are going to be lower and also your bandwidth usage in the upstream is going to be much lower as well because streaming 96 kilohertz files or 192 kilohertz files, that eats a lot of bandwidth and that's going to cost Tidal more money to do this. So I guess... Prob- I mean, again, I'm making an assumption here. I shouldn't do this, but I guess they're going to be offering both to see who chooses what, and wh- you know whether yeah. users bother to make the the flat
1: choice. Yeah, yeah. I try to stay out of the weeds of of this because I know there are people out there who might want to make some argument about. You know flat compression of even high res may be equivalent in size to mqa blah 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 and i'm not interested in in those arguments i will say that the assumption that everybody has great bandwidth anywhere in the world where that title is offered is a preposterous assumption to make you know it's just not the case you know so i think it's also
0: something i mean i've i've i have talked about this before So in Germany on a a mobile phone plan, you're lucky to get more than 20 gig a month as a data allowance. Uh. So that's going to allow you to stream, stream roughly 40 CD quality albums, which isn't a huge amount. So Mm. you don't, you do have to keep an eye on your data usage with your mobile phone plan. If you're kind of a streamer in Germany, a lot of people don't have home internet connections anymore. I know the audiophile cognoscenti do when they have a unlimited data on their mobile phone, unlimited data effectively on their home plan. So it's easy for, to to sit there and think, well, that problem's been solved. But as you say, yeah. bandwidth is a problem, even in some areas of the USA, data allowances oh, are not unlimited <laughs> around the world. Hmm. Yeah, so it's I don't think it's a, an entirely solved problem. So I understand why p- people would find MQA advantageous from a bandwidth point of view. Then there's the argument of sound quality. So mm. for every person I see saying, I think Tidal sounds better than Kobo's, I do see mm. people saying, I think Kobo's b- sounds better than Tidal. But the thing is, is that you can decide for yourself because the, right. you can get a trial of Kobo's, a trial of Tidal, run them back to back and just pick the one you like. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't understand if... If if MQA sounds as atrocious as many people, sorry, as the vocal minority make it out to be, why are so many people using it on Tidal? And also, as per a survey I did of my YouTube subscribers about a month ago, why is it that of the services that offer like essentially high-res streams, Hmm. why do most people amongst my audience, I'm not saying it's because of me, but just because it's like, and I think 15,000 people responded to this survey, so it's quite a lot of people. Most of them, 40, 40% are Tidal subscribers. 20%, I think, mm. was Cobras. Deezer didn't even get a look in. Uh, Apple Music, a few percent. I, I forget the exact numbers now. But, you know, if if MQA sounds so atrocious, why, why are people, why are so many people, why are the majority Tidal subscribers, right? Now, you can invent all sorts of kind of, Unknown theories or unprovable theories as to why that is. But Hmm. I guess, in terms of the general populace, either people don't care about MQA, they don't know about it, or they actually think it sounds pretty good. Yeah, they don't, at least they don't think it sounds atrocious, right? Enough for them to churn to a a different high res provider.
1: Right. But yes, but you know, in, let's see, in um, online discourse, meaning forums or even comment sections mm. um it's become a criminal offense nearly to simply say yeah i kind of like the way it sounds mm. if you say that about mqa i you know, i kind of like the way it sounds you for the extremists um you're, that's like heresy and it really is like uh, to my mind I don't, I don't, I cannot relate to the outright hatred that has been like spit all over MQA. And I say it that way because Mm. these extremists have literally gone after people involved with the company on a personal basis. And it's gotten Mm. just so incredibly distorted. And bizarre, I I have to step uh, as far away from that as possible, because it's it's it's, um, it's just irrational, it's unreasonable it's behavior. It's ugly. It yeah. is. Yeah. And uh, it's mobs with pitchforks. You know.
0: Yeah. It's. I guess I can't relate to that. You're either completely with us or you're completely against us mentality. Yeah. That sort of binary reductionism, which I, hmm. I don't think helps anybody. But I want to add one more thing here, actually, and it's to do with Bluetooth codecs because mm. MQA has been developing a Bluetooth codec as well, MQA the company. Yeah. Now, I had to do a bit of digging on this with my PR contact, mm. and he tells me that the Bluetooth codecs of the in-house name is SCL6, which I think MQA the company have used in public as well. So I asked him, like, well, so why did you call it MQA? And apparently MQA was meant to be like a sort of more marketable, more yeah, more market-friendly name for a Bluetooth codec, but the in-house name was SCL-6. And he said, well, basically it's called SCL-6 because there was an SCL-5, a 4, a 3, a 2, and a 1, right? Mm. But 6 is the one I think that they really, well, that I think they were really happy with um, and were or are still trying to push forward. Now, I Mm -hmm. read in the same article that said the MQA are bankrupt Mm. that MQA, the company, put forward SCL-6 to the Bluetooth special interest group to have it adopted as part of the Bluetooth spec, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this article also said that the Bluetooth special interest group, also known as the SIG, rejected SCL6. So Ah. in this article, it says that that the Bluetooth SIG rejected the adoption of SCL6. And I thought that was quite a big call to make because I Googled it and I couldn't find anything on it. So obviously I asked this of my MQA, PR person, and he went back to the company. And said like, "Is this true?" And they said, "Absolutely not true." So either MQA are lying, or the guy that wrote this article, who I won't name, hmm. is mis. Let's say, let's politely call it misinformed. Yeah, sure. But even if you 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 know you're misinformed, something like that is. I think that's a pretty big deal to say that. The, the technology of this company was rejected by the Bluetooth SIG. You'd probably want to double check that before you went to print on that. <laughs> or but well, according to my double checking avenue, that's not true. But no. I, I wanted to draw attention to these things in, in this podcast because I have spoken to effectively MQA via their PR person. And you can poo-poo a PR person if you like, but I mean... <sighs> If I really wanted to, I could talk to Bob, but I'd much rather just get a series of official responses. I mean, I've got an email here with yeah. a series of official responses that I'm using as my information basis for what I'm saying today. Now, I'm not doing this to polish MQA's image or anything like that. I'm just doing this to, I guess, correct some of the falsehoods that I've seen written in light of MQA going into administration, and they yeah. are no the Bluetooth SIG did not reject SCL6, mm. MQA is not bankrupt, and Tidal Hi-Fi is not dropping MQA the format. Now, we're yeah. probably not going to see any any new MQA, are we? New releases might not get encoded to MQA. That's Yeah, that's probable. my assumption, yeah. yeah. But again, it's an assumption we don't really know. And because this is such a, I guess business people like to call this a dynamic situation, don't they? It's a dynamic mm. situation. It's moving pretty quickly. Maybe this time next year, maybe, who knows? MQA will be dropped. Maybe it will will still be around. We don't know. All right. Let's um, wrap this up with a couple of recommended albums. Traditionally, Michael, you go first. So why why break tradition
1: (laughs) here? (laughs) Okay. So I am picking an album today that was released in 2000 in part because I just had a hankering to listen to it a few weeks ago and it was it's a record i hadn't listened to in a while i used to own it on vinyl and i'm going to own it on mm. vinyl again someday the album title is silence is sexy <laughs> okay uh, it, and I've, i'm seeing the tie-in to my just rant about people being rude silence is sexy and certainly is it hi-fi shows <laughs> anyway and the band <laughs> Scientists to zen neubauten
0: tell me the, tell me the name of the of the band again michael i want to hear you say it again just because i'm a, no, being a dick but,
1: I'm not I mean I refuse to know. That. Yeah, I tried you know, I absolutely did it quickly, so I so you I know, might miss why, the fact I that I don't know how to pronounce it. So go ahead, do it in the real the real pronunciation for me. Well, before I do it, and before I probably fuck it up as well, I know I'm
0: giving you a hard time, but Olaf had to coach me on how to say it because I, like you, completely fucked it the first time I said it. Yeah, so well. and Actually, it ties into well. You'll see in a moment. Um, Good. It's it's einstürzender Neubau. Oh, so God, it means I, collapse, oh. c- collapsing new buildings. Yeah. So I, yeah.
1: I'm sorry. Do the first one again. It's really Word? hard, isn't it? It's
0: einstürzender. It I think I've got that right. I think there's an umlaut over the, the u. Ein, uh, there is einstürzender. Ein Stürzender, yeah. Neubauten. Okay. So, so Neu is new, Bauten is buildings. Uh, yeah. And then uh, einstürzender it means collapsing. But do you know what? I had to say that about 20 times Gosh, with all that, hard, that before yeah. we were filming one day to get, get a hang of that. And it's really funny you mentioned it because I, it, while you were talking, I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to talk about that album. I'm going to talk about this other album. And it has an einstürzender Neubauten connection. So that's just ah. beautiful. But anyway, I'm sorry. Carry on with your einstürzender Neubauten <laughs> story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, do carry on yeah yeah well the album is called silence is sexy thankfully it's in english Mm -hmm. and uh it's from 2000 and it's a very friendly album compared to especially their early music and i was a fan from the get-go um the the band was formed in 1980 and Mm. i started to hear their music on this uh WFMU this great uh, New Jersey radio station which is still going strong and I was I was I was buying these records as they came out in the 80s um and just as a connection Blixa all oh right uh, uh now I'm going to be so self-conscious about saying every name so I'm just going to call him Blixa Blixa Bargeld uh, Yeah Blixa Bargeld
0: Do you know what Bargeld uh, means no, it means cash, cash money. But ah.
1: Blix of cash money. Blix of cash money was yeah. <laughs> also uh, a member of uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, guitar player, mm-hmm. fabulous guitar player. Um and he, uh, it was part of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds for many years. Anyway, I this record sounds sexy. It's again, it's like a, it's a friendlier, less noisy uh, uh, album from this band, but it it is I mean i hate to say it but it's a very sexy record so that's my that's my pick of the day and i really do have to get it back on vinyl because it's such a lovely album experience you what you you have to my mind this and it's an album you want to take in as an album and not Hmm. pull tracks from yeah so initially i was going to recommend the whole
0: steady's new album which is called the price of progress which mm. Hold the whole City, in case people don't know, are an American sort of bar rock, indie rock, raucous rock kind of band with sort of echoes of Springsteen. But I think they're ah. a lot more fun. But the, the tenor of their record sort of changed about five or six years ago and became a little bit more sedated. I think really when lead singer Craig Finn's solo career began to sort of carve a, a path of its own. Mm. But the, what's interesting about the latest whole City record is it's actually closer to a... Craig Finn solo record than it is the previous whole city records in that there are some kind of more sedated moments, quieter moments. It isn't all guitars just thrashing endlessly, but that's, Mm. I've changed. I changed my mind midway and I thought, no, I'm going to talk about an album by a chap called Regis. And Mm. in the nineties, Regis made what you would just call, I guess, barreling techno, just Mm. almost mind numbing techno, which I think was the point Mm. of it. I quite like it. And then he sort of well he didn't disappear for 20 years, but he just didn't really put out an album. and then in 2020, he put out an album called "Hidden in This Is the Light That You Miss." Mm-hmm. And I didn't actually know it about this about this album until this morning, because I was actually I'm actually putting it in a, in a video um, that I'm putting out this weekend. But Regis made this album in Berlin with Ein Sturzender Neubauten's producer. Boris Wilsorff. So oh. there's a einstein and a Neubaten connection there. And it's a very different sounding Regis record, in that it's slower, it's more break broken beat. So it's hmm. not pummeling techno. Uh, and there yeah. is there are heavy overtones of sort of industrial sounds. I mean, Regis has always kind of lent in that direction towards the industrial end of techno, but this is I guess more artfully done, more tastefully done. It's a record you could play at your parents' house and they might kind of raise an eyebrow, but they wouldn't like scream for it to be turned off as they would with earlier Regis records. And I think okay. it, it sounds fantastic. Like the production on it is just fan- just superb. So there's a lot of space in it, even though there are a lot of kind of highly driven rhythms, but it's not, mm, mm. It's not club music, not at all. So again, it's called Hidden in This Light, No, sorry. I always, I always mess this up, right? (laughs) It's called Hidden in This is the Light that You Miss. And I Hmm. think at the end of last year, Regis put on Bandcamp a version of the album with an extra track, if you care about that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's about seven euros on Bandcamp. There is a vinyl. I don't know if there's a CD. I'm not so sure, actually. I think I bought the vinyl when it came out because I'm a bit of a Regis nerd. I don't Uh, like everything that he's done, but I... But anyway, I just thought the the Neubauten – see, I messed it up there. The the Neubauten connection was right up your street, Michael. So when you said that, I was like, what? What are the chances of that? <laughs> and also, I get to give you shit, give you shit about something because
1: I've not made a short joke in this podcast. So, <laughs> Yeah, no. I am never going to pick another album by that band. I'm just letting you know. Because even though I've heard you say it now probably 10 times, I still don't – I'm like, huh? Like, oh, it's, there's um there's an
0: U-Bahn station in Berlin called mm. Schlesisches Tor, and when you try and say Schlesisches Tor for the first time, it's it it's like a word ball that you just can't get out of your <laughs> mouth. You <know? laughs> it's horrible. So you, it does take practice. It does come with time. I mean, yeah. or with Olaf's coaching, you know. So he helped me get my mouth around. I, I actually I, even now I can't do it. i do it in <laughs> the Neubau, I mean. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess for Germans it's an easy thing to say, but for the international market, what a nightmare. Maybe they did it just as a an act of rebellion or defiance, I don't know, but good for them. Oh, f-
1: <laughs> yeah, certainly makes sense. Fits, yeah.
0: So that's the end of a, a fairly, <laughs> fairly chaotic <laughs> podcast, actually. Probably our loose, yeah. loosest one to date, really, isn't it, Michael? Uh, um. Sure felt that way. <laughs> yeah, it really was very loose. <laughs> um, maybe it won't come across that way once it's edited, but we'll see. But once again, Michael, thank you for bringing sunshine and joy into our <laughs> lives for another 90 minutes.
1: My pleasure.
0: You have been listening to the Darko Audio podcast with me, John Darko, and Twittering Machines' is Michael Lavornia. This episode was produced by Nick McCorriston and music came from Ben Pitt.